Hey everybody, it's Liz Edwards and I'm here with Dr. John Overholt and uh, we're going to do something really neat. We're just going to do a little bit of a get to know you. Right, yeah. We would love to know more about our doctors and what they do and what you do outside of here and um, we thought we'd just start with, well, why did you want to be a physician? Right, well, so I come from a line of doctors. My granddad was a doctor, uh, my father's a doctor, my uncle's a doctor, my brother's a doctor. And so, of course, I went to college and said, there's no way I'm going to be a doctor. Um, but it just roped me in in the end. And so, you know, <laughs> here I am. I, I originally wanted to be an asthma researcher. Uh, so I did a combined uh, pulmonary medicine and allergy fellowship. Um, but in the end, I just thought allergy was uh, the way to go. So yeah. I've been doing it for 20 years now. And as your father is one of our founding yes. physicians. And... Um, but your brother is not an allergy. He's no, he's an otolaryngologist. He's an ENT surgeon. Okay. And my granddad was uh, sort of, he was in the time before subspecialization, but he was kind of the cardiologist in Knoxville, would show up in the hospital at 4 a.m. every day and read all the EKGs. He was kind of a legend. And then my uncle is a gastroenterologist. Okay. Well, that's pretty neat. So you knew you were going somewhere on that track. Somewhere around that track, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then but you landed on allergy organically or do you think your dad had a lot of influence on that? Well I obviously had been around uh, that a lot as a kid. I had allergies as a kid. Um, I was on allergy shots as a kid, of course, as a doctor's kid. How could I not be? Um, <laughs> but you, you don't get a lot of exposure to allergy um, in residency traditionally. It's more sort of acute care based. So you do a lot of cardiology and GI stuff and oncology and you're treating acutely ill people. Um, but I actually, because of my exposure to it as a young kid, sort of sought out those kind of electives. So I worked some with uh, Mike Blaze and Phil Lieberman in Memphis when I was a medical uh, student and learned a ton from them. And then when I was at the University of Virginia, I worked with Tom Platts Mills for a month and he's past president of the academy is a brilliant, uh, brilliant doctor. He discovered dust mites. And so, you know, that again, once I did that, I kind of knew like, yeah, I really liked the specialty and that was the way I was going to go. Now you said you're on shots as a kid. Did that give you a lifelong trajectory of immunity? It was definitely helpful for that period of time. Yeah. Um, and then I had a sort of a recurrence, you know, once I was kind of a young adult and then went back on them again for a while. And then now that I'm 50 years old, I'm, you know, yeah. Taking Allegra a couple times a year, and I'm good to go. That's that's terrific. So you have grown children now. I do. What do you guys do in your free time? You've got some pretty interesting hobbies. So I do. Yeah, I have two kids. They're both in college. So we've been empty nesters for a year and a half now. Um, I really like to fly fish. I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, I love to go out to Montana and chase big trout up there or... Mm -hmm go down bone fishing in the warmer climates. Um, that's the thing that really occupies a ton of my time. Um, I'm outdoors a lot. I hike a lot. I do like to I duck hunt during duck hunting season. So that occupies the majority of my time. I play a lot of guitar at home. I've been playing guitar since I was 12 years old. Um, so I try to keep that up. Of course, in Nashville, I'm a really, really bad guitar player in this city. <laughs> I was pretty good before. Then I moved here and I instantly became like completely mediocre. Um, but my dogs like my playing. So yeah. <laughs> you, one of your dogs is somewhat famous. She has had yeah. her star turn before. Yeah. She's been on the commercials. She was on, uh, you know, the news program here. Yeah. So she's a little star. What is she, what, what breed is she? She's a French bulldog. So the other, my other dog's way too big and I couldn't carry him around. So, uh -huh. um, but yeah, she's fairly portable. And her name is Pearl. Pearl. I love it. Yes. She's How great. old is Pearl? Pearl's nine now. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Yeah. She's a grown woman. She lives uh, the life. She does. She <laughs> lives the life of leisure. She's like a cat. Did I, mean, I she see? She just sleeps all the time. Did I see she was on the cover of something recently? She, no, so we went to Parents Weekend at our kid's school, and she made their college webpage of us, you know, Love sort it. of walking her around campus. I love it. Yeah, and then right after that picture was taken, though, she attacked the cameraman. So he didn't put that picture on there. <laughs> That's great. We have used Pearl a lot because we've talked a lot about dog allergies. In yes, general, right, right. And, and um, people are always worried they're going to have to give up their pets if they're allergic. So. No, we can almost always work around that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you're here in Franklin. Tell us about some of the other locations that you go to throughout the week because you, you travel. Yes. So I go to the Nashville office, which we call the West Nashville office, but the Nashville office uh, and then Hendersonville and here. So those are my three locations. That's great. And we do have a new Nashville location. It's a brand new building, which is really It's really nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. The new space is great. Really nice. Um, this time of year, what is it we're all allergic to? We're going into almost late fall what would you say right now it's ragweed and molds so as the you know fall is really the ragweed or weed pollen season you know ragweed's the number one weed pollen um, and so that's the stuff that starts in kind of late august and through september and into october until you get that first hard freeze that kills off all the weeds also see a lot of molds in the fall falling leaves they sit there they get wet they produce molds and the spores get in the air and people get sick with that as well so those are the two big ones right now as we get ready to go into the holidays, um, what do you have to say about indoor decorations? And we're all spending in time indoors more often. And um, you know, as far as like dust and, and, sure. and all the things that might that we're not thinking of. One of the things you see is live Christmas trees. I mean, oh, you think yeah. about that. You know, they they bundle those things up and they sit you know, bundled up for a long period of time. And when you take them home and pop that bundle off, just poof. And so you'll see mold spore allergy with that. Um, you know, the wintertime, it gets drier. And so the dust mite levels are lower uh, during the wintertime. So that's always helpful. Um, there's a lot of uh, sort of just general kind of indoor air quality issues because people tend to close up their houses more in the winter. And so if you've got a gas stove or a, you know, a wood-burning fireplace or a gas fireplace, you can get you know, exposure to those sorts of things too. And you're around your animals more, and they're locked indoors with you, too. Oh, that's true. That explains why I have so many tumbleweeds of hair and stuff <laughs> along right. the kitchen. Yes. So if, if I have environmental allergies, would you suggest a time of year where I could ever open my windows and, and let the fresh air in? Yeah. Or? I mean, I guess that's, that's why it's so important to know what you're allergic to. Mm -hmm. um, pollens have fairly discrete seasons. So, you know, trees are in the springtime grass in the summertime, weeds in the fall time, more or less. Um, so you, you know that if you're, you know, if you have big tree pollen allergy in the springtime, you don't really want to be letting in all the outside air during that time period. But by the same token, if it's just ragweed or just fall pollens, you know, you can do that in the early springtime and, and keep it nice. So testing is really helpful for making recommendations about, you know, avoidance and those sorts of things. And so talk about our test, because I don't think people realize that when we test, that printout comes and you can see, I mean, how many different pollens do we potentially? The total number out? of tests is 72. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think pollens make up about two-thirds of that. Wow. Um, yeah, so there's a lot There's a lot of different tree pollens, not as many different grasses. They tend to cross-react a lot. There's a lot of different weeds. 
And especially the weeds don't cross-react as much as some of the other groups do. So you really have to do the individual tests on those things to know what you're allergic to specifically. When you test a, a patient, would you automatically recommend them for allergy shots? Or how do you know to get to that threshold? It really depends on you know where the patient's been, what they've been on, um, what their allergies are, how well they've responded to medications, if they're having complications from their allergies. Um, there's, so there's a bunch of different factors that go into that. You know, in general, you know, allergy shots are good for people who haven't responded well to medications or who are having complications from their allergies like sinusitis, headaches, asthma, you know, et cetera, all those things that go along with that. By the same token, some folks are like, you know, I don't want to be tied into taking medications all year round for the rest of my life. And the allergy shots give people the potential to get off of medications and be free of symptoms because it actually is the only thing that treats the underlying allergy as opposed to medications, which are really just controlling the sort of downstream process from the allergy reaction. Can you describe how the shots are administered here and how we come up with the serum? Yeah, so the serum is based on a, a, a patient's testing, whether that's skin testing or blood testing. And so whatever they're allergic to goes into the vial or vials, because there's some things you can't mix together. Um, and then the shots process starts with a very, very low dose and gradually builds to this peak dose, which is known in the business as the maintenance dose. And then from there, you space out the interval between shots gradually. So withdraw, you induce tolerance by the buildup. And then over time, you withdraw the allergy shots. And that helps the body learn to live without the allergy shots, because that's the ultimate goal is to be well and be off that. Okay. And would you say that whole course of treatment takes a couple of years? Three and a half, four years for most folks. Okay. So and most of that is spent at every other week or once a month. It's more time intensive in the beginning, certainly while you're building up and really trying to cement those changes into the memory of the immune system. So if someone was on shots, and I say someone, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've actually been off shots for several years, but I'm considering going back on because yep. I'm start, the symptoms are, are starting to come back. Am I starting from zero or am I? It depends on the length of time okay. you were on shots and the length of time you've been off shots. Yeah. So for someone who was on for an adequate length, but it's been off for six or seven years, and generally it's sort of a square one kind of reboot okay. at that point. There are some folks who stay on shots forever by choice because they feel, A, they don't want to go back to where they were before um, because they've worked so well for them, or um, they just feel as if when they're trying to withdraw from the shots, they're just not as well and they're not able to come off those. And, and they just choose to be like, I'm so much better with this. Once a month is no big deal, and we'll just stick with it that way. Right. The quality of life is huge. My son is a, he's been off shots now for several years. It made a huge difference. Right. Um, he played sports, um, was allergic to grass. That was a problem. Right. Um, yeah. You know, for most kiddos. So I, I'm a, a big believer in that. It really did change the course of everything for him. Yeah. I think if you look at sort of quality of life measures in people with, you know, hay fever, allergic rhinitis. Um, it's very, very impactful and it impacts multiple domains. It's not just nasal symptoms. Um, it impacts you know, tons of different things. People can't taste and smell very well, so they don't enjoy eating. They don't sleep as well, so they're tired all the time. Allergies cause somatic symptoms directly like fatigue and run down and head in a fog. And, and so it's much, much more than just a simple runny nose with this. And, and the biggest, or one of the big benefits of allergen immunotherapy is that it really helps control this stuff systemically and also helps control a lot of those 
you know, symptoms that aren't just nasal symptoms, you know, the sort of whole body, uh, you know, holistic symptoms, if you will. Mm -hmm. So at what point should someone come see you, a board certified allergist? At what point do you have to get to to where you think you need uh, the next level of treatment? You know, some people just want diagnosis. They want to know. Okay. I'm, I'm having these symptoms. Is this allergies or is this not? Uh, and that's, you know, a, a good reason to go see an allergist. If you're experiencing symptoms and you're not clear if there's something in your environment that's really driving this, allergy testing can tell you that. Um, some folks come in because, you know, they've been on sort of good over-the-counter medications. They've tried, you know, over-the-counter antihistamines, over-the-counter nasal steroid sprays, and they're still not doing well. Mm -hmm. And they want to know what their other options are at that point. Um, some folks are obviously sent here by physicians because they've been to see their primary care doc multiple times with complications like asthma and sinusitis. And the, and the primary care doc says, hey, there's probably some allergy underlying all this. We need to address that first. So, you know, there's no wrong time to come. Um, but those are, you know, the main reasons are to figure out if you are or are not allergic. And if you are, what are your options for managing this? Is what you're allergic to change over time um, as we get older? Do hormones play a part in any of that? People, you know, people are always, you know, develop new allergies over time. And as you age, the incidence of allergies wanes such that at age 80, you're much less likely to be allergic than you were at age 70 than you were at age 60 and so on. Um, so the bulk of allergies you know, are occurring in sort of young adults to, you know, and I'm 50 and I'm considering myself a young adult. So in my age group, it's pretty prevalent as well. So. <laughs> well that's, that, yeah, I, I have noticed that for myself. It, it does change. Uh, my symptoms have changed over time. They've been intermittent. Yeah, and you asked if hormones play a role. One thing we do see is, is pregnancy. Um, can certainly change this. So many times we see patients who said, I never had a problem until I got mm -hmm. pregnant. And then once I delivered, it was like everything just fell apart. My allergies have been horrible or they developed asthma or hives. And you see the, you see the, uh, you know, the opposite as well. People say I had horrible allergies and I got pregnant all of a sudden it was gone. So it is sort of a, a bit of a reboot button. Yeah. You know. I was in a school the other day and um, triggered me asking this, uh, coughing. So I feel like when you're around little kids, you hear tons of them coughing for yeah. various reasons. I know there's crud going around as well. But what are some classic signs of asthma in kiddos that we could be aware of? Right. I mean, chronic cough is certainly one of those. Again, that's hard to tell sometimes, especially in that age group when they go back to school mm -hmm. and they're all bringing new germs in and they're sitting in close contact and that sort of stuff. So, um, but certainly, you know, trouble with exercise so if if you know if they're out running around and all of a sudden they start coughing or anytime they say hey I'm you know my chest is tight or it hurts or I'm having trouble breathing uh, nighttime symptoms especially so waking up at night at you know 2 3 a.m. in the morning if the parents notice that when they're having those symptoms is a big you know sort of sign for asthma which always tends to be worse at nighttime um, yeah and then the classics of you know wheezing you know, shortness of breath it's always helpful to get, you know, asthma can be tricky to diagnose um, because it can be sort of normal one minute and abnormal the next minute. And sometimes when the patient comes in, they're, they're fine. You know, and they say, well, you know, a week ago he was horrible, but now he's doing well. And so what's this asthma? What's this not? And there's some things you can do to help sort of tease that out based on the history. It's always helpful to get a good set of breathing tests, a lung function test, uh, 
Um, and then always, you know, of course, lay a stethoscope on the patient and listen to the lungs and see what's going on. And, uh, and we have the breathing. Uh, yes, all our offices, here. all our offices have spirometry, which is what, what that's called. Um, okay. That's the, is that the thing that you blow into, like the birthday candles? Yes, blow out the birthday candles. Yes. Yeah, okay. that sort of thing. Okay. Well, these are all good things to know. Well, I'm glad we got to chat with you today. Yeah. And we look forward to chatting with you more. Absolutely. As we, as we get going on this podcast. Super. Thanks so much. Thanks, Liz.